Hello, and welcome to 25 Cents, a video game podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Nick. Each episode, we'll be making the rounds through our four corners, console, PC, Apple, and tabletop, with a focus on games that are great to play if you've got kids. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts on the web at goodstuff.network. Sorry, my fade button wasn't working, and it was really loud on the stream. I apologize to the zero viewers right now currently watching. <laughs> yeah, we we'll were hold, holding on to the theme music there for yeah. uh, for a little bit longer. <laughs> I was just I was enjoying the new intro, so just the, the corners focus that we have now that I think we talked about last episode. So uh, it's good yeah, to, good to focus. Trying and, that out, we we kind of we we did some wordsmithing, and now I think we've found our our place in the uh, in the podcast. Yes. here or or something so i have uh in family news it's not a corner this is sort of the preamble to the corners we're not we're kind of on our way to console corner so on the on in transition to console corner i just have some family news here that we have decided for the month of august much to our kids chagrin that screen time is off the menu for the rest of august which sounds really dramatic but wow. actually for us, because of holidays and things, there's actually kind of two and a half weeks, really, that we're home for no screen time and then school or whatever it's called, whatever it's going to be in the fall, <laughs> will kick in. So it sounds kind of dramatic and intense. And our kids, understandably, took it fairly intensely yesterday. <laughs> there was a few discussions that happened about what exactly is screen some, time. Some, some bargaining, perhaps. Yeah. 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 So we're actually, we're focusing in on, uh, I need to co-op this with or co-brand this with one of my my podcast clients, which is community and capital, but we're doing community and creative is our, our focus for any sort of screen thing. So if you're creating something, you need to have something, if you're using the screen, you need to either have created something afterwards, digitally or otherwise, or it's community, like friends, family, whatever. So not that we're never going to play a family game of Fortnite, maybe or Minecraft or whatever, but just the mm -hmm. dedicated kids sitting zombie out for a while. So, after day one, I can report it. <laughs> we could, I can do a, an update in a, a couple a weeks. A parenting experiment here. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure we're not the first to try this and we won't be the last, but uh, yeah. it would definitely provoked, promoted a bunch of creative output. My one, one kid was in the garage trying to hammer and screw together some sort of ramp. Another one is building with Lego right now. The other ones, they've discovered some of the rebrickable and the like build your Lego things online thing to then create and build that in the real world. And, uh, and then we've, we have allowed for reading. Um, my one son has tried out the Marvel unlimited subscription. So he's devouring that now, nice. which is, you know, tangentially related to screen time, but we're, we're allowing the, the book reading part, comic reading side of it. So, so I won't have much in the way of uh, kids updates, uh, for, for video games and screens and stuff as much this, this month, but, um, I'm sure we'll be back full yeah. force with school. We'll we'll definitely have to phase out the um, some of the summer screen time habits uh, over the next three. I think it's three weeks for us until school starts. Um, the uh, and, and we've we've also generally had a similar exception where like well if you're if you're reading a book from the library or you're drawing or making music on the iPad that's not kind of eating into your screen time balance right. we, we don't track it that carefully i mean like as i've said on previous episodes we do use the screen time feature from apple to do some limits but for the most part you know we're there and um 
and it's just on the the one family iPad for the most part. That said, our our screen time the last two weeks has been very high in a different form because we were hooked on the Olympics. So right. there's not a whole <laughs> lot of not a whole lot of game uh, time to report. Um, so the probably the biggest thing uh, in terms of games played anyway, probably the biggest thing was uh, two weeks ago I did successfully order a play date. Uh, so I think we've talked about this little device on the show before. Um, so this is from Panic in Portland. Oh, wait, wait, it's, wait. We're going what? into console corner, right? I was going to oh. try this. Uh... No, that's not the right one. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can, I can start over. Sorry, I didn't know you had... I we're we're moving. We're, we're on a journey to console corner. <laughs> load, load up your... Uh, load up your uh, ps5s that you're going to scalp uh off the back of the truck (laughs) (laughs) all right work in progress on this topic anyway so console corner you've the play date yeah so so uh two weeks ago two thursdays ago they became available for pre-order i set a bunch of alarms uh i was excited about this one because it's it's kind of uh you know it's right in that indie retro vibe that that you know i think you and i both really find a, a sweet spot for small digestible mm-hmm. games. Um, I was back and forth a little bit on whether I would pre-order it because of the fact that, you know, it's, it's kind of another form of mobile game. And I generally do that on my phone. Um, but I think the, the hardware appeal and, uh, and, um, you know, kind of the digestible indie games, it was really appealing. Um, now my, my son does not yet know that this is coming. Um, oh, and I think this... we'll probably make it a surprise because timing-wise, I did get in the first batch of orders. So it should be here sometime around my birthday in the fall. Nice. Uh, but but you know, he he will certainly have access to this a little. Um console size-wise, it might actually fit his hands better than mine, uh, based I, I, based on some of the images. It's a, it's a tiny little guy, uh, you know, kind of about the size of an old, um, like one half of a Game Boy SP, maybe. Yeah, I'm just um, looking, I'm, for those on the Twitch stream, I'm watch. I'm looking at the Playdate website, and I just realized the hand kind of looks like it's dirty, or is that just, <laughs> I don't know if you can make, <laughs> I was just like, I noticed the fingernails first of all painted, nice, but then... Or, or maybe it's just no. a darker skinned hand. That's what I was seeing. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's just the combination <laughs> Very, of skin tone and lighting yeah. in that in that image. Um, <laughs> Didn't seem like something. The, that yeah, the. Um, I think the other thing that that'll be an exciting project and kind of going to the what are creative things you could do with screen time is there's going to be two levels of development kit. So there's there'll be like a full development kit for programmers, but there's also a lighter weight web-based dev kit that I think sounds like it's going to be a little more, you know, kid accessible, uh, where, where you'd be creating things more like, you know, hypercard or scratch or something where you're, you're using some high level, uh, APIs and tools to move sprites around on the screen. Um, so if that, if that holds out, then I think that'll be one of the fun activities. We'll be making some play date games, um, together. Um, so did, did you look at this one at all or seriously? I did. I'm, it? Yeah, I, I can definitely consider it. And I was really excited for the idea of it beforehand. And then I think the price like two thirty six America is the, I guess that's probably with tax. Maybe do you do, you do taxes in, in the Amazon? Uh, state? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Washington is a no income tax, all the sales tax state. Gotcha. That's not, actually, that's really nice. But, um, anyways, I, yeah, I was, I think two thirty six was going to be what two thirty six us is probably. 
you know, almost 300 Canadian is what it would have been. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was just a little too pricey. Like you see the initial price of 179. Um, sorry, that's your tax price. Anyways, whatever. Um, it the U S price to Canadian. And then knowing, like I said, I think somewhere on Twitter, maybe on here on our show, like the, having a switch that sits unused a lot, adding one more device that sits unused as, as neat as this is. And like, as, as kind of non screen timey almost as it feels, cause it's it, just even having the crank for something <laughs> feels like just a, yeah. a little bit of a gimmick enough to like pull you out of what you're if you're, you know, zombie mode on a, on a screen and the games are not as cannot be as immersive as like a, you know, Fortnite on a 50 inch TV or whatever. So, um, still can be lots of fun. So I'm happy to yeah, wait and see how it comes out. Different kind of game for sure. But I, I'm kind of sad. I got caught up in all the excitement and definitely the fun of having a new, the new thing, the new hotness for sure. Um, and panicked, I know we'll do a great job of developing this and and building out lots of fun with it uh, down the road. It's not sort of like big corporation that might just lose interest after a while because they definitely got, from all accounts, it looks like they got a ton of pre-orders and you're waiting well into 2022 now if you want to get one. So, Yeah, I think there there were some issues with the, the um, like Shopify, I think it was, site that they used uh, where, where people who had set an alarm and were international and tried to order mm-hmm. missed out. Uh, and so the first, you know, 20 K 20,000 units were gone by the time they were able to get in, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, for, for folks who are not in the U S I think it was a little bit harder to, to get one, but it sounds like they've ramped up production. I, I think panic and the folks behind panic seem to be, you know, they have that kind of indie cred, the indie, indie developer relationships already to have hopefully a pretty long pipeline of games small fun little uh toys and games for this thing mm-hmm. i think the question mark may be more the the sort of long-term uh developer ecosystem is like okay so they'll have the tools there'll be these indie developers but what's the what's the uh, financial incentive for developers you know kind of like we've speculated about how arcade works and how the app store currently works on on ios and then on other platforms you know what's the will will this be viable for developers long term right because they you basically get the games with the system it's not like you buy specific games after the fact uh presumably they probably developed something to like pull down games down the road if they decide to you know turn on some sort of monetization but well, they they talked about having seasons of games, and I think that's not the details on that haven't been fully hashed out yet. So I, I suspect that'll be part of it. Is there there might be some kind of you know game subscription or or you know some some way of new games dropping to your device on a on a somewhat regular basis, kind of like uh, at least I've enjoyed for for arcade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. So yeah, it'll be fun to see. And they looks like I just noticed they've got like a development. Uh, not, on the dev side, there's software to allow you to stream it to your PC or Mac, I assume, uh, for recording video from it or streaming it, you know, on Twitch or whatever. So I'm sure there'll be lots mm-hmm. of people doing stuff like that, and, and it'll be lots of fun to to check out that way vicariously, anyways. And I guess hopefully your son isn't listening to this episode and finds out that it's coming. You have to <laughs> I, skip I, this part. I'll uh, I'll have to skip I'll have to skip this part. <laughs> uh, since I'm I'm usually in control of the the podcast if he if he does opt to to listen yeah. to our show. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of your kid, actually, you had a little idea here that sounds. Oh, awesome. yeah, he was. I forget what he was talking about, but but the other week he was like, "We should have a podcast where you interview video game characters about how they feel 
about dying all the time. Um, you know, I think I think that's just the the kind of uh, yeah the kind of seven year old uh, creativity that comes up in the house every once in a while. I I could imagine someone doing a good job with that show if they did all the voices and everything. Has he seen Wreck It Ralph um, yet? Yeah, he he very much okay. likes Wreck It Ralph, and and actually I think he likes Breaks the Internet, the second one, um, more. Yeah, that kind of vibe, anyways, is what I was thinking of when when I read that. Anyways, it was just like this, you know, the characters were like annoyed that they have to always keep dying and wish they could do more, break out of the role that they're supposed to be in. in yeah, I, in it, it's, it's possible that it that is inspired by our our multiple viewings of that of that yeah. movie. <laughs> All right, let's head to a new corner. throw a little thunder in <laughs> for yeah no reason. we should we, we need we need like uh somebody who knows knows engines to take a look at that uh, yeah sounds a little <laughs> rough <some> issues <laughs> just do a quick laser shot all right pc corner we're, hit, we're headed to <laughs> um, i just i'll throw in before we dive deep dive deeper into some uh gaming industry news i guess but uh just fortnite still continues to be my guilty pleasure go-to i i'm tempted by other games i've thought about uh buying i, fe- I was going to make a note of it there's like a city building kind of tile building game that uh, i post about in the discord but um that i was tempted to pick up just for some fun dorf romantic it's called um i don't think we talked about it on the show before but it just looks like a chill kind of world building game um beautiful looking graphics and and that but i haven't picked it up yet it's on 10 bucks in steam preview still i think um so if you've played that let me know i'd love to hear if it's fun or not you haven't tried that have you no no i saw your your link to it and i think there's another little like chill city building game that was coming out um and now i'm blanking on the name of it that kind of looked like you were building like a little venice of canals and stuff oh um nice. Yeah, uh, I'll have to find that one um, because I, I know for sure those are both ones that would appeal to to my son. I think, unfortunately, because they would be on PC, we probably wouldn't have easy access to them uh, with, yeah. our, with our current setup. Yeah, that's I'd have to boot boot camp it in and uh, and pick it up that way. It's 11.49 Canadian, so pretty cheap game. It's in early access right now. Yeah has nice like the, just this little subtle in so it looks like almost like settlers of Catan tiles that you're dropping to build the world each time and it has nice little mm-hmm. bounce animation as they drop in the plants form and stuff it's just like little touches like that that kind of like tweak my whatever <laughs> video game visual kind of aesthetic like that chill, I like yeah city building almost almost like uh like tabletop games kind of leaking into the digital form a little bit yeah it kind of reminds me of an old game that I haven't played I, I don't know if it holds up anymore but populous was a, it was like a god building oh yeah god, game kind of thing that's similar i look uh, idea anyways that you're kind of like trying to either survive or not um so um but anyways on to so blizzard has been in the news a little bit and feels yeah. like it's worth so, just mentioning quick 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 content warning because uh if you're aware of this story that deals a lot with um some pretty bad workplace harassment and uh related uh, stuff so uh, just be aware that this this discussion will go into that a little bit mm-hmm um, do you want to give sort of just a, a higher level overview of some of it? Um, I mean, it? it's 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 the pretty uh, it's the pretty classic video game industry story of the mostly men in power at a studio have made it an extremely toxic work environment for mostly women at the studio, um, even to the point of, uh, I mean, seeming to 
um, prey on target uh, junior developers, you know, push them out of the industry, uh, look to them for relationships in inappropriate uh, contexts. I mean, the whole the whole thing. Um, and I think the the key parts of the story is that a lot of that feeds into the the way Blizzard's games are made. Um, and you know, certainly I've I've alluded to before. I put many, many, many hours into World of Warcraft and and some of the other Blizzard games over over the years. We've talked about on this show, kind of how I've ducked in and out of Hearthstone here and there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's just it's an unfortunate pattern that we see again and again. There's a few articles uh, linked. Um, one of the interesting things that came out of this uh, was there's this viral video going around. I think you even reposted it at one point of a, of a woman at a Q and panel Q and a at BlizzCon 2010 standing up uh, and asking basically why are all the female characters in world of Warcraft walking around in uh, you know, looking like Victoria's secret models. And I was like, wait a minute, I know her. <laughs> and this cause I, I was actually aware of this at the time, but this is one of my old guild mates. Um, uh, she primarily went by her character name Xantia and uh yeah she had gone to attended blizzcon stood up asked this question the all-male panel was very dismissive the men in the crowd start laughing at the idea that the the women in the game shouldn't just be objectified um and uh, she actually did a few days ago a really great interview on kotaku anonymously about sort of both her experience with that and how her relationship to games uh blizzard and otherwise has changed over the years so um uh, that was that was pretty pretty interesting um but yeah i you know i don't know what the um the answer is here other than like holding the these people to account you know making them face consequences they can't i know blizzard's already started some leadership shuffling there's been some announcements in the last few days. I think their share their uh, shareholder meeting was kind of coming up, and I think the bottom <laughs> line alarm started going off. Um, so you know they're they're trying to uh, put out the fire, but unless you know if if any of these folks just leave and go found another studio or go to another studio, they're you know they're not really going to be um, punished for creating this kind of uh, toxic company culture um, that you know, is, yeah, it's based on all the, all the worst stereotypes of, of bad, uh, video game development. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, I think uh, for me, I, I'm going to just, you know, delete Hearthstone off my phone and kind of just be done. I mean, it's, it's not, a, a company that it, it, it's sad. Cause they, I mean, historically they, they made games I really loved. Um, they were always one of the rare like dual release pc mac developers in the late mm-hmm. 90s i mean all of their games like diablo and, and warcraft came out for both platforms uh with full support um but yeah they just obviously they 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 need to clean house uh, uh and um my friend Corey, who does the starting point podcast um is a huge blizzard fan and and yeah he's completely canceled all his subscriptions uninstalled everything and he's just he's just done as as well because it's just i mean i think it's one of those things that you kind of know is probably always going on but but then when you see the details in some of these reports it's it's uh astoundingly bad yeah and that's where it's such a tough like i've seen uh there's a developer who works at apple now who she used to work at blizzard at one point and left amid the i think out of the controversy or out of the toxic 
toxicity that was going on. I don't know the full details of her story, but um, I just had followed her because she was at Apple. And then all of a sudden she started tweeting about this as well and, mm-hmm. um, and her experiences and stuff and, and just pointing out, trying to build, you know, help people tell their story, obviously out of this. Right. And, uh, and, and there's even some mixed reactions in terms of, and obviously everybody has their own way of responding and needing how they need to respond, how they should respond. Um, not, I'm not talking about the people who are perpetuating the toxic behavior, but I just mean, as a developer who worked there or as a gamer who supports them, I think, you know, there's varying degrees of response. Hopefully the most important one is like disgust at what happened, but she was any, anyway, she was saying on Twitter through, uh, through the process of just like the answer necessarily isn't necessarily to uninstall the games. Cause there's still lots of developers who work there who are genuinely good and want to create great games and they right. want to, you know, whether it's world of Warcraft or whatever. Um, and so, but for each person, like you said, your friend Corey, like, I think that's a perfectly valid thing to do as well as to uninstall it. Just be like, I'm done with this, this whole thing. I've, cause the gamers and the streamers and whoever are supporting Blizzard in talking about the game, playing the game, streaming the game, you know, all that stuff, it helps create the marketplace for these games and, and is marketing for them. And so you're, you are kind of by proxy saying, I'm okay with this. I'm going to keep playing, but I know yeah. it's more complicated and nuanced than that, obviously for everybody. But, um, yeah, I think it's just important to raise awareness about it because that's the only way we can actually get anything better. Hopefully, if obviously if they if it was just managed by Blizzard internally, we know very well that money trumps any sort of actual healing or any sort of action inside the company. As long as the stock price is going up or whatever, and the sales are still there, they're not going to be motivated to do much. So, um, anyways, and yeah, uh, that, that's a good point. I I don't know, you know, if if enough people are um, you know, going to change their their purchasing behavior enough that that Blizzard will feel it enough that they feel like they need to make some significant enough changes to actually make it a, a better place to to work, especially for for women and, and non binary folks. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, I know I know a few of my you know old guildmates who have stayed playing uh, World of Warcraft are are still playing. I mean, I think you know they. They love the game. They're invested in the game. They have a lot of community there, and and that's another factor to consider. You know, I've been out of that the community for long enough that, you know, I'm not like losing shutting out friends really by by saying I'm not going to play. So it's easier in a way. Uh, but for other people, that's like one of their primary communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was and I was just made a note here too of um, it's interesting having a show on Apple TV plus called mythic quest, which is basically fo- following a game development studio that has kind of like never directly, they kind of mock the idea in a sense. And I, I I'd be interested. I don't know enough about all the in, ins and outs of everything that's going on, but whether a show like that is seen as supporting the idea that game development studios should be <laughs> this toxic male ego driven thing. Cause I could see someone watching that. Who's like, yay, I'm cheering for the guy who's obviously in my view, is a you know made to be a mockery of the toxic male bro right. developer character, but I could see someone watching it and thinking that's who I want to be like. That's my right. guy. That's I, me. I want to be that <laughs> singular genius who controls yeah. everything. Yeah, and and yeah, and without going into spoilers, I haven't actually seen all of season two now, which is out I think already. Yeah, same. Um, so I, I don't know where it all goes exactly. So I'm not trying to portray the show as good or bad. I just yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and that connects to there. You know, there was another article that came out this past week about a small favorite indie studio. And you know, you might think, oh, well, it's it's the big AAA studios that have this problem. The the indie studios, like everyone, just gets along. And there's this huge story about again that uh, singular, you know, male uh, genius creator 
um, uh, at Fulbright. So they made Gone Home, which was like my hands down kind of game of the year of 2013. They made Tacoma, which I also really enjoyed. Uh, I didn't play it right when it came out, but I played it later uh, last year sometime. Um, and they're working on their next game, Open Road. And the, uh, what is his name? Um, he, he's been kind of asked to leave Steve. the project and Steve Gaynor. Uh, Steve Gaynor. That's right. Um, and you know, in, in this case, it does not sound like there's a specific like harassment or assault angle. It's just toxic works workplace, you know, berating employees, uh, taking control of projects, uh, preventing people from advancing, you know, the, the kind of just general negative, awful place to work kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, they've, they've removed him from the project or, or put him aside or just given him like a, a side producer role. And, and the people who are actually invested in the game, the, the creative team really wants to still make the game. And that kind of goes to what, what you were saying. It's like, well, the, again, this one bad person at the top or, or someone with really bad behavior at the top hurts so many people, not just the people they directly hurt, but like everyone else who's now associated with the project and the brand. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the, you know, they don't get to finish what they were working on or they have to move on because it's no longer safe or whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, that one's kind of a, that was a sad surprise as well. Cause that's a studio whose output I've, I've really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely helps or not helps. It's makes it really difficult to, uh, and forces us to have a conversation about like, do you separate the artist from the art and how that all works and mm -hmm. who's responsible? Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've had that for sure with, you know, uh, favorite authors and, and revisiting, you know, well, is, is this, is this a story that I want? You know, I loved it as a kid, but I know the, the author's beliefs maybe <laughs> are not something I want to get anywhere near, or, you know, is this something I want to share with my kids? So I think yeah. you could find similar things with, with, um, you know, with films and, and yeah, with video games too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So moving on from that, so we, we welcome your feedback. Obviously, if you're out there and you have questions or comments or whatever, we'd love to hear from from you and uh, on, even on things we've said or not said on, on issues yes, like I, this. Yes, certainly. I mean, two, two, two white dads talking about <laughs> video games is we we probably have stepped in it somewhere, but we um, this is something that is definitely important to, to making the industry more inclusive yeah. and safe for everyone who wants to work on video games. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, you had Accenture. How do you say that? Accenture presentation on gaming. Accenture, yeah, they're they're like a consulting company. I, I just saw this. Um, there was this presentation going around, and I think this is one of those things that you know they they give to businesses to say like, here's why you should invest in you know a game studio. Right. Um, but it had a, a couple of interesting stats in it. Um, they they currently estimate that there are 2.7 billion people worldwide who play video games. Uh, it has the potential to be a 300 billion dollar industry. And the current split is 52% male, 46% female uh, in terms of the game audience, uh, which is you know, basically getting pretty close to balance. Um, I think historically that that number was much farther off. And there's some other interesting stats in there if you if you look at the link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, like we've talked about before, the the big growth area of games is you know more women, more non-US, more mobile. It's not you know, where all the money and talk is, which is mostly young adult men in the US playing uh, 3D shooters on console, right? Like that's, that's the stereotype. You're talking and, to me. <laughs> you can just say Fortnite. Oh, it's no. okay. I've got, no, I've got your number. Yes. I'm, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about Chris and playing Fortnite. Um, uh, 
but but yeah, I think I think that's you know it's it's a it's an, a recognition that the industry at least sees where the the market is going, and maybe that's you know one of those things that'll actually help with with what we were just talking about in in that the if the audience is changing a lot, the um, the way games are made has to change a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully that shows. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to repeat what you said. It's just yeah. the, they'll follow the money, and if the money, if they see that there's actually more people besides white dudes playing video games, they'll hopefully develop for people who are not just white dudes, and yeah. or let developers in who are not just white dudes. So yeah, and only help. And and selfishly, I mean, I'm not really interested in the the uh, the game that would fit my stereotype, at least not anymore. And so I I really do want to see these little uh, artsy short mobile enjoyable game experiences like like we see on on apple arcade and and hopefully on playdate and and other platforms as well yeah and in defense of the white dudes playing video games uh shoot them shoot shooting whatever 3d platform shooting games um definitely the i've i've tried call of duty is really popular i forget which one call of duty warzone or something like that and it's just like Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe i'm getting if it's soft or whatever it is in my older age but the running around with graphic violence feels really kind of just boring to me at this point in video gaming. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting at first when it kind of came up, but I, I don't know, having watched wars, having seen people playing a video game version of a war, but actually in a tank and and things like that, like in a real tank and it all just kind of feels a little gross now, I guess. And so I'm not mm, passing judgment yeah. on everyone else, but that's just for me. Like I've multiple times I've heard people talking about how much, much fun they're having, you know, with their crew in, in call of duty or whatever. And so I'll download it on the Xbox. It's free to play just like Fortnite. And I just, I uninstall it afterwards and it's like a hundred gig download of wasted bandwidth. But um, <laughs> there is like my mental brain anyways, makes a distinction with Fortnite of it being cartoony and goofy more than, accurate and like they try and the mechanics of the game you're still shooting people so i mean i get that but right the mechanics and the the aesthetic of it is colorful and and goofy more so than accurate and bloody i guess and so that's yeah my little yeah there's a different it's it's a it's is the is the violence in the mechanics or in the graph or in the aesthetic uh is is very different like are you going for some sort of hyper realistic thing and and like which one's which one's worse like does one or better right like is one yeah, train. I don't know. I mean, it it all comes down to, in, in my understanding, from a game design perspective, right? Like, it's a mechanic that's easy to evaluate. Did did deadly object X do enough damage to moving character Y? Right? Like, that's yeah. a that's an easy. I mean, it's not easy, but from from a game design perspective, <laughs> twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. It it it's something that you can you can make make sense pretty easily. Um, Whereas other game mechanics that might be more out there, you have to kind of uh, spend more time kind of figuring out how, how they would work. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to touch on real quick. I think The Verge had a had a Steam Deck hands-on review that I skimmed. But the the striking thing um, is, unsurprisingly, the, the one we mentioned, which is they have a photo showing a Switch stacked on top of the Steam Deck. And um, I mean, the the Switch with both Joy-Cons docked has always felt a little large to me. And this is a good uh, inch and a half larger on each side. So, you know, you're going to be playing That's a, uh, yeah. with your with your hands out to, to both sides. Um, it's a big problem. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wonder how much that'll uh, that'll affect the the appeal of, of the device. I, I certainly don't, you know, seeing that just really confirms for me. I, I don't see myself uh, being interested in this because the the hardware I think would be just too uncomfortable uh, to use for very long. 
Yeah, because unlike the Switch, you, there isn't even an option to dock it per se, right? Like, because your controller is the, or the device is the controller. There isn't like, yeah, I mean, presumably you could, it, you could use a wireless controller with it, just right. like any other um, PC. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting proposition that is yeah. definitely just not for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think in the absence of having a video game or a yeah PC to play video games on, I could see that being a handy little way of getting into that. But but even then, it feels um, for a family, anyways, it feels a little too small, too unshareable, I guess. Whereas a console or a, or a PC actually. Yeah, has a little bit more support for that. So moving on. Oh, I don't have my, <laughs> it's all closed up here. Let's check out how our car is <laughs> yeah, doing right the now. The soundboard is offline. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we added a foghorn Sorry, to the Apple Corner. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so App- Apple Corner, have you been playing much on arcade lately? Uh, obviously, screen time limited. You were you were out yeah. of town for a little bit there. Yeah, out, out camping and, and definitely trying to avoid looking at the screen as much. And so, um, um, yeah, I tried. I did download Alta's Odyssey and bit played with that a bit. My kids kind of re- reimagined or remembered playing it when it first came out years ago, um, and kind of tried a little bit. But other than that, we have not dabbled too much. And um, it's amazing how even one bar having one to two bars of cellular coverage really limits anything on a phone these days uh, versus three to four bars. It's at least out here. It's like dramatically, it's not a 50% drop off. It's kind of like basically almost useless. Um, Not that the games themselves all require internet, but any amount of data check-ins or whatever, just takes that much longer to do. Um, And so, yeah, the motivation wasn't there plus being outside in nature and trying to avoid the screen as well. So how about you? What did you tap into? Yeah. um, So I I threw some links in the show notes, just some other reviews of Alta's Odyssey. Um, But uh, I I did grab Jetpack Joyride Plus. So this was, I had played the original, I think it was just free to play at the time, but maybe I paid for it uh, when it was out years ago. Um, at, at some point I had actually gone back to revisit it, but all my progress had been lost. So I just uninstalled it. I don't know, sometime migrating between phones or game center versions or something. It, it lost my, my progress, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same, the same old game. Uh, they've added a few new mechanics, a few new things you can uh, gain coins for and purchase from the store. Um, I thought it was a little odd that Apple Arcade decided to release basically two, endless runners at the same time they're 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 pretty different uh in in both style but you know you in general you're going as far as you can you're completing little missions you're collecting uh coins that you can then use in the store to unlock you know new gadgets or or uh cosmetic elements um i would say the one the one thing with jetpack joyride i i have been enjoying playing it i think i'm like level i don't know 31 or something in terms of mission completion um, is it, it kind of feels like they didn't do much of a graphics update pass. And maybe mm-hmm. that's just the nature of the way the arcade plus program works where, where the developers are, you know, getting a new incentive to update their game, but you know, not enough to like redraw their pixel art. Right. Um, uh, so that was the only thing I noticed. I mean, it is trying to look retro so that might I may just be misremembering how it looked before, but that was, that was my quick impression. And it's interesting that um, just seeing them side by side like that, Altos Odyssey Lost City got a sort of a new game uh, ish 
but isn't repackaged under Altos Odyssey Plus or something like that, whereas Jetpack Joyride, right. Jetpack Joyride Plus, which is sort of their moniker for like a game that you played before, but we're just going to repackage quickly and, and add to the arcade. Um, and I don't know what the reasoning for that. I'm happy that they both exist, I guess, but um, just an interesting little dynamic that they did as far as packaging them up. So, Yeah, I think it's it's like, so Altos Odyssey Lost City, it's, it's the same core mechanic but you know a new game with some slight differences and jetpack joyride plus is the basically the same game um just just with all the updates and and arcade integration um the the other plus game i tried really quickly because my my wife was enjoying it was uh, one of the timeless classics so this was the big dump of games from a few months ago uh it's sudoku simple plus so this is this was one of the many sudoku apps on the store um and this is a very minimal sudoku um, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, there's no notes function, so they can't do terribly complex, uh, Sudoku inference puzzles. Um, you know, I think good Sudoku plus is, is your better entry here, um, from, from Zach Gage, uh, mm-hmm. and team. Um, cause it, it has the notes functionality. It has multiple game modes. It kind of teaches you how to play Sudoku. This is, but this is nice. This Sudoku simple is nice in that it's very just like the most relaxing, empty your mind kind of Sudoku, <laughs> which I think really is is one of the appeals uh, of Sudoku for many people. They don't want the puzzle; they they want the to just like yeah, I'm just kind of like going through and matching the numbers, yeah. and it's right before bed, and it's it's almost soporific, uh, and, and that's good too. So I tried that one briefly. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually funny. Camping, there was, I mean, nobody was doing it on their phones, but uh, someone had brought a Sudoku book and that kind of got passed around as a, uh, we're getting old, we need to Analog Sudoku, that's a thing you can do? Yeah, I think it was Sudoku <laughs> plus pencil is called. No. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and and doesn't require any bars, so. Exactly, or battery power or anything. I mean, I guess you need lights, so that's the one one issue, but uh, yeah. <laughs> They they definitely manage that. So, um, yeah. And in, in brief, before we leave Apple Corner, Ted Lasso season two has launched, which I'm a big fan of. And uh, three episodes are out now, I believe. Yes, we're up to. Yeah, uh, just came out. And so, um, have any thoughts on season three? Two, sorry, not season three. Uh, yeah, in, in enjoying it so far. Um, uh, I, we just watched episode three last night. Um, I think both both my wife and I feel like they're cramming a little bit too much plot into the time they have. So there's some moments that don't really get enough time to breathe, uh, but they're hitting all of the elements that we loved about the first season. You know, the 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 witty one liners, the goofy charm, um, all of that. I did see an interesting tweet thread from um, is it Brendan Hunt, one of the co creators, yeah, Coach uh, Beard. who plays Coach Beard. Yeah. Um, basically saying that they wrote the first three episodes under the expectation that they'd be dropped all at once, like the first season. Uh, and so that's maybe why the pacing felt a little weird in that mm. they were kind of intended to be a, a trilogy of three episodes that you'd binge on the first day season two dropped. But instead, Apple has spread them out over three weeks. So that's that's interesting. an interesting one where your your creative team and the uh, the distributor haven't talked uh yeah. <laughs> about all the details and and then things get a little uh weird yeah or change plans or whatever that's interesting actually that makes yeah. a lot of sense because it does the it does feel it felt a little odd and i wanted to go back and rewatch the first three episodes just because you never know if it's just because you're 
you come in hyped with lots of expectations for season two after yes. a really good season one or what it is. Um, I was really enjoying, I'm really enjoying the fact that, um, cause I saw some criticism, maybe it's just one or two tweeters, but people saying like, Oh yes, another white dude, you know, in soccer or whatever. And like, we need that or whatever. And I always kind of felt like after season one, I was like, and these are people who I think had watched two episodes and kind of given up. And so I kind of felt like after in season one, even Ted's there, as a like draw, like even the actor, Jason Sudeikis, he's there because he's the name draw and he, he brings people in to watch the show, but very much points the spotlight at other people, other relationships, other, he kind of comes mm-hmm. in with the one liner, the funny thing to keep you laughing, but then actually lets you, you know, get into Sam or into, um, Cristo Fernandez. Why am I dropping his name? But, um, uh, his actual character's name, but, um, anyways, Danny uh, Rojas. Danny, yeah, football's life <laughs> guy. Um, yes. And, and shines light on other people's stories more so than his own, actually. Um, and it's I kind of dug that about season two so far, is that it's very much not really a Ted Lasso story right now. Uh, it has yeah. very much to do with everybody else, basically. And like you said, I think there is a lot going on, and hopefully they get they get more time to flesh out. And even, even having said that, the episodes, I think, are a little longer. Or they were 39 minutes or so um, per episode-ish, somewhere in there. So they're packing. They're not hitting that 30 minute mark anyways. I don't know if they all did in the first season either, but um, anyways, I've, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, it's a show I really enjoy. And I think it, it really hits on kind of connecting back to our earlier conversation. You know, it, 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 uh, it really pushes back strongly on various forms of, of toxic masculinity in leadership and, and organizations, right. You know, either by mocking, like you said, with, with mythic quest, the, the guys who kind of engage in the classic stereotype, of what a what a manly man is or highlighting the ways you can be you know more, more thoughtful more in touch with your emotions and it's yeah. one of those shows that uh i think a lot of adults could it could uh, enjoy and maybe even learn something from you know obviously not kid appropriate uh no. <laughs> or at least anything below upper teens maybe um but yeah you know there's there's some lessons there and and uh, i guess in the meantime you can you can get some positive emotional intelligence from uh Daniel Tiger and My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's actually the swearing actually is the most thing. So, whether if you're maybe your kids are active swears or whatever, I guess, but for us, the amount of our F bombs, our, our daughter came down, couldn't sleep when on, I think it was the second episode where where Roy just goes off on the date yeah. guy and she, he's just like F bomb every second. And there's something about, you know, the British accent too, that allows for swearing to be more elegant than I think the North American accent, <laughs> but even yeah, still, that, that's our, that's our uh, North American uh, feeling of everything sounds fancier in certain yeah. accents. Right. But she saw a picture somewhere else of Roy Kent the, or the actor, or I forget what it was, but she's like, Oh, there's the sweary guy. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> she, It was one of those cases where your kid is like standing there and you don't know that they're there. And all of a sudden we realized she's standing there you know at 11 o'clock at night or whatever behind us on the couch and like how long have you been standing there <laughs> she's like, yeah i heard him swearing yeah. a lot so um yeah. yeah it it reminds me a little bit we had some some content related issues with the the olympics not the games themselves but the uh so we were watching on hulu live tv with cloud dvr and um certain recordings on certain channels came with unskippable ads uh, including mm. some ads for the new Chucky series, as in like <laughs> possessed demonic doll. And it's yeah. like, really, you're just going to throw that on during the <laughs> Olympics, which is a like family sporting event. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's been a perennial complaint. I know my my mom, I remember when I was a kid, my mom always being frustrated at the kinds of ads that would be shown during like baseball games and football games. Yeah. Um, 
in terms of appropriateness for relatively small children who could be yeah. watching. <laughs> All right, on to our last quick corner. Yeah, we can we can turbo through uh, tabletop corner here. A, a truckload of games have been dropped off, uh, along with another IKEA Calyx to hold them. <laughs> yeah, did you? So you got a new expansion? Or you, uh, yeah, so uh, I think I mentioned this uh, on the on the show. Maybe um, uh, you know, I, I said, "Oh, we probably won't buy more villainous expansions." And then, literally the next day, we were at Target, and there was one half off, <laughs> uh, which was the Evil Comes Prepared expansion, which adds uh, Scar. Uh, wait, I'm blanking on who else is in it. Uh, Scar from Lion King, and Isma um, from. Um, Oh, Emperor's uh, New Groove, one of my yeah. favorite, all-time favorite Disney movies, because um, it's really a buddy comedy, not a musical. And then uh, Radigan from uh, The Great Mouse Detective, which uh, content-wise, I would say, uh, has not aged as well as I re- had remembered it. I, I thought that was a, a tame Disney movie, and there's some weird stuff in there. We watched, we tried that one with my son uh, yeah. uh, several months ago, and it was like, oh, this is very much a an earlier era of Disney. Anyway, um and then, you know, we, we kind of go back to our, our usual favorite games. Uh, you know, Dominion comes up a lot. Some of our two-player games like Seven Wonders Duel and Patchwork. Um, did you get in non-Sudoku game time while camping? Yeah, the, the kids, my nephew has exploding. Well, they all have exploding kittens, but my nephew had gotten a bunch of expansions for it as well. And we'd given him one more for his birthday while we were there. And so that was definitely played a lot, which actually worked really well for, uh, um, you know, outdoor camping game. It, I, you, you're always kind of like at the mercy of the wind. <laughs> in that situation and hopefully mm-hmm. it doesn't uh, blow cards away or things get lost in the fire pit or whatever, but uh, it worked really well. And actually my niece who's like five, I think I just turned five was able to keep up with it too, which was impressive. Um, and so uh, yeah, lots of fun of exploding kittens, both the, the elder grandparents as well as the youngest kid all enjoyed it in various ways uh, and the various expansions that they had. So that's, that was a fun one. Check out if you've got kids or, and make sure, just make sure you don't get the, and not safe for work version or expansion, obviously. Hopefully it goes without saying. Um, oh yeah, I've seen that one on the shelves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I I think this is a link from last time. I forgot, <laughs> I've forgotten why. The best board game of 2020 is a poster size hidden object game. Um, micro, my, micro macro crime city. I think I just threw it in here as worth mentioning, I think, unless you did. Am I remembering this wrong? No, you you added this one. I So I, I haven't been following the, um, uh, was it the Spiele des Jahres? awards uh, lately but yeah this is the winner and and um you know f- other famous previous recipients are you know like settlers of the original settlers of Catan won this in like 1996 or whatever um, so this is a, a pretty illustrious award in the tabletop world um and usually an indicator of a game that is um has some really great uh play yeah and i think what i, I haven't what tried this one drew me to it is it's a big sort of black and white game board um and and in the review they said it's it's not necessarily a great game but in a tabletop setting it feels different enough to spark curiosity and that the cognitive load required to get going is effectively zero and for a lot of people that's all they can muster right now it's kind of like a pandemic board game <laughs> of choice mm-hmm. and so that kind of just seems like a neat way especially for for kids who are like or or people or older adults or whatever who are less drawn into games and kind of just want to play cards something like this can be a, a nice way to like bridge that gap anyways of of games to that are easy to get drawn into and have a little bit of fun. Yeah. 
definitely have some adult family members that you know uh card games and parlor kind of games uh are are good any any board games with mechanics that are like my usual jam are are right out yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's where you're having to re-explain settlers yet again even though they played it yes at valentine's day or whatever the last holiday was <laughs> i mean I, I think settlers is actually i mean it's as popular as it is it's it's probably not the best entry level game because it's got a lot going on yeah yeah um, definitely I would say like a like a Carcassonne or something would be would be better. Yeah, um, yeah it was like that XKCD about you know you have to you have to set aside all the game explanation time and then and then everyone has to go home by the time you've explained. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, at least Carcassonne, I find you can like even if you just don't even pay attention at all, you can just play and place your tile, and there's no you don't have to have any strategy, and you can still play the game and uh, and just kind of have you drink and snacks while other people are getting more intense and maybe mad at you for the way or way you place your farm or whatever. So, um, yeah, <laughs> at any rate, let's, uh, we'll wrap this one up and, uh, want to thank you for listening to 25 cents or video game podcast. You can find me on Twitter at iCrisp with any of your responses to our comments. And you can find me on Twitter and most everywhere else as ultra nerd. That's N U R D. And you can find 25 cents, of course, wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out our Good Stuff Patreon, patreon.com slash goodstuff. See you later. Bye.